Hey guys, this is Phil and this is the Vision Podcast. You are getting ready to listen to one of three messages that Dan Moeller preached at Vision Church. It was our honor and our privilege to be able to host him and man, did he bring it. And I encourage you to take notes, to listen to it uh, over and over. If you're like me, you're going to have to stop it probably every few sentences and write down things that the Spirit of God speaks to you. So grab your notebook, your, your pen, your Bible, and enjoy the podcast. You guys good? Man. Lord, I love you so much. Thank you. There's something about believing the gospel. Somebody could look at that. I was just in a bunch of emotions and stuff. You haven't even seen me in my bedroom. I'm so behaved around you. I am because most people get stumbled because they're critical. They've been taught to judge everything. They've been taught to judge things they don't understand. The Bible says that men will mock and scoff the things that they don't understand. Well, if you don't understand, it's probably a good time to say nothing. <laughs> Ain't that something? Listen, there's life in believing the truth. I've never seen anybody be blessed and enjoy their life when they were leaving, believing something outside of the finished work of Christ. When you believe your past, when you believe your feelings that are contrary to truth, when you believe something less than the gospel speaks over your life, when you just believe your actions and you weigh yourself by yourself and you judge yourself for where you've been and what you've done and you miss what he's done and where he's been and you don't see the value of that and you don't put that on and you leave this on, you're wearing the wrong thing. It's why you don't look good in what you're wearing because it's a lie. And I'm telling you, when you get alone with God like this, see, I heard him in my heart. I didn't even want to flip on my mic. The second time I was like, ooh, it just feels like everybody's in. He said, no, there's a couple people that won't enter in and they believe they can't enter in. I want you to invite them in. And the first time it was just, I want everybody in the room to make some kind of contact with me. I felt the Father's heart longing for us to engage with him. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to totally agree with everything you're experiencing. You don't have to, you can, but don't get so caught up with like, what are we doing right now? And why are they going on and on? And why did they sing the same thing 40 times? And why did the worship leaders lay down? Why aren't they leading? People do this stuff in a church service and they miss their moment. And they're so busy trying to figure everything out, they miss him and he's there the whole time. We're going to find out one day that he was there in our life every moment, every day. He was there. And we didn't pursue him. We didn't approach him. These signs follow those who believe. Everything comes to the believer. The things I do, you'll do if you believe. Every, the word believer and believe is in your Bible to the church constantly. So I guess your believer is very important. And everything out there is vying for a piece of your believer. Everything wants to own your believer. Everything wants to decide what you believe and have influence in what you believe. People are analytical. They boast in it. They say, well, I'm a very analytical person. Analytical is not a gift from the Lord. The Lord did not give you that gift. The Lord gave you his word. And he didn't give you a gift to hash his word around for so long that you make something obvious and simple complicated. It's not a gift. It's, it's Eve in the garden. Did God really say you should eat the tree? Uh, yeah, that's what he said. No, God just really means. And when you eat the tree, he just knows that you're going to be enlightened. And you're... Hmm, 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 And then we almost pride ourselves in processing. Well, I'm just very analytical. I've heard it my whole Christian life. Well, I'm just very, I'm a thinker. 
Okay, stop that yesterday. Like, God didn't give you the ability to think long enough to talk yourself out of Him. Because if what you're coming to a conclusion of isn't producing life, it can't be Him. Because He gave you life and life more abundantly. So all of a sudden we get puffed up and proud in our own opinion. Paul said, don't be wise in your own opinion. If your opinion's not producing life and exciting your heart and stirring you in truth, then you probably ought to realign the pattern of your thinking. Come on, I'm not being mean. You can tell somebody that's analytical, prideful, you can tell somebody that God loves them and they'll think long and hard enough to come up with a reason why maybe he doesn't. And yet the cross says he does and it's already settled and you're hashing it out. See, everything wants a piece of your believer because everything follows the believer's life. And this is a little straight and forward and strong, but you, what you really believe is revealed by how you live your life. You're not judged for your confession. You're judged for your works. And every man will be judged for his life. And your life lived reveals what you really believe. Ain't that something? You okay? Stay happy because I'm happy. I'm not here to spank you. I'm here to tell you who you are. We got this great privilege to run a race with the king. It's a sprint marathon. Yeah. <laughs> you come out fast and you keep running <laughs> till you cross the line. You've been saved 50, 50 years, you've been sprinting for 50 years, it's a sprint marathon. You don't grow weary in well-doing, you don't say, oh, well, brother, you'll calm down, you'll get it. Hey, you're running out too fast, brother. This is a long haul, pace yourself. What is that? <laughs> that might be your life, so now it's theology to you. <laughs> the day of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. I'm supposed to grow from faith to faith and glory to glory. I'm supposed to see him a little more today than I saw him before. And if I see him clearer, I'm a little more fired up. And I tone it down and I get a hold of myself just to communicate. And if I'm besides myself, it's for the Lord. Y'all good? Okay. Listen, God loves us, man. When I, when I heard about, in my heart, three people feeling, and I didn't try to call you out because I didn't want you to be embarrassed. I didn't want you to feel like you had to die. I just, want, I just wanted you to see that I believed in my heart you were here and that God was inviting you to cross that line of deception and cross that line of a lie. I can't imagine the torment of a person believing that when they don't want that to be true. The fact that you don't want that to be true means that it can't be true. Are you with me? I heard curse words in my head when I first got saved. I was three months saved. I heard these derogatory phrases in my head. They were directed to the Lord, actually to the Godhead, some to God, the Father, some to Jesus, but mostly to Holy Spirit. What was the enemy doing? He's whispering his stuff into my mind as if I'm thinking it, as if it's coming out of my heart. Because I'm feeding, I'm devouring the word. He's thinking I'm going to get to a place where I read, I blasphemed the Holy Spirit or I did something and all of a sudden I'm going to go, oh, these words, I said, I said that to the Lord. My heart never said that to the Lord. It was just thoughts projecting in my mind. A friend of mine went to a psychologist. He was talking to the psychologist said, ah, so you hear voices. He said, yeah, so do you. He said, you hear the voice of your own conscience, you hear the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. Everybody's hearing voices. The key is, are you discerning what's what and who's who? 
Because if you're thinking the enemy's voice is you, see, the Holy Spirit only speaks that which he hears. That means the Holy Spirit's speaking. Don't you let no teacher tell you that Holy Spirit doesn't, that God doesn't speak to you. The scripture says Holy Spirit's only speaking that which he hears. He will speak to you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you into all truth. He will bear witness of everything Jesus has given you that's from the Father. He'll show you things to come. He's going to instruct you. Scripture, don't you let any Bible teacher with a theology degree tell you God doesn't speak today. Holy Spirit is speaking to people. He is. And you're thinking stuff in your own mind, and the devil's doing the same thing. And he's trying to muddy up and get you to not understand the voice you're hearing. And if you're just looking for a voice, you're going to get deceived. Here's where you find his voice. You fill your heart with the word and you discern what you're hearing through the word. And that's how you recognize God's voice. If you fill your heart with the truth, you'll discern a lie. If you don't fill your heart with the truth, a lie will sound rational. And the way that seems right to a man will eat your lunch because it seems right. But its way always leads to death. Who's ever been so sure they're right about something that they build a case against someone, they share two or three friends, and their friends go, oh, man, that's messed up. That's wrong. They should have never. And then all that does, all that knowledge does is justify the position of your heart, but your heart's hard. How are you winning? How is being right winning? How is being angry winning? How is that like, yay, change the world? Whoop, whoop, I'm doing good now. I got a right to be angry. Man, if God lived that way, we're done. If that was his attitude, we don't have hope. Listen, we're not on the earth to prove ourselves to be right. We're on the earth to be found righteous in the sight of God and walk in the light as he's in the light. And we're hearing voices. We're all hearing voices. I heard these curse words in my head. And here's what we think. We think until those curse words stop, I'm not free. No, until you stop believing those curse words, you're not free. And if you think that you have a problem and don't realize you have an answer, the curse words are going to overtake your soul. You're going to condemn yourself and you're going to actually believe the very thing it's there to intended to do. You're going to believe you're cut off, you blasphemed, you said something bad to God, and now you're in some outer place that can't, some chasm that you can't be found or something. Yeah? It's a real thing. I'm three months old and this stuff's chattering through my head. There's no way to turn it off. Anybody ever thought going through them and you didn't want to think it and it won't turn off? Well, the fact that you don't want to think it means it's not coming from you. Hello? The fact that it bothers you, it's not coming from you. It's not you. It's warfare. It's a lie. It's the devil seeking whom he can devour. You've got to resist him and stand steadfast in the faith. You've got to take control of these things and live out of your heart. That's why you've got to keep your heart pure. That's why you've got to follow your convictions. That's why you've got to approach him in these moments and follow your convictions. Once you question your own heart, you can't make sense of what's going on in your head. Are you with me? I've watched good people make bad mistakes. Pure people are some of the most condemned, inner condemned people I've ever met because they feel like they're not living up to their desire and they feel like they're failing somehow. So they live inside as a failure and yet their heart is crying. Isn't that something? It's true. This is real. Why am I saying this tonight with so much passion on a night that started off and it felt exciting? This is because God wants to rescue us from these lies because he's taken us somewhere, people. We got a destiny to fulfill. We have a race to run. This stuff is designed to rob you from believing the right things. Try to stall 5, 7, 10, 12, 15, 20 years in wrong believing. 
try to capture your heart and win your heart and just get your heart just a little hard for the next 12 years. Come on, redeem the time. The days are evil. We've got to surrender and sell out, man. If you care about something on the inside, it's not you thinking it. If it bothers you, it ain't you. Well, then why do I hear it? Why won't it go away? Why won't God make it go away? You make it go away by submitting to God, resisting the devil. He'll flee. Look, you don't put the devil up here. You don't. Look what happens when you give somebody a microphone. They manifest. You don't give him a microphone. No, no. Somebody said, I wish you wouldn't have got a microphone. <laughs> they gave me one. Now I'm manifesting. I'm going to manifest without one. But he wants a microphone. He wants your attention. He wants your focus. He wants you to think you're a person with a problem instead of a person with an answer. He wants you fighting a battle that Jesus already won. Your fight's not the devil and the voices. Your fight's the good fight of faith. Your fight is never changing your mind about what you believe about who you are now that he came. That's your fight. Your fight is maintaining identity, maintaining truth in your heart. Maintaining an unveiled face and a conscious awareness of God's love. Because if the devil can change what you believe about that, he has robbed you blind. And your identity will take a hit. You'll lose confidence. You'll be self-conscious, low-esteemed. You'll back off. And then you'll live what you believe you are. And your fruit will look like your insecurity. And then the fruit will seal the lie and say, see, see. Now it's a tormenting cycle. And the whole time you're violated deep on the inside. The whole time you wish you weren't even living this way. It's because it's not even you. And Jesus, he understands. He's so good. He says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't say, what a bunch of willful, evil, wicked, messed up. He said, they are so blind, so confused, so deceived. They're killing me and beating me and they have no clue what they're doing. Would you forgive them, Father? What a Savior. What a God. Here I am, I'm their king. Nothing was made that wasn't made for me. I preached them for three stinking years. Three years. God, three years? If they didn't get it by now, they ain't going to get it. What is up with these people? I'm wondering why we even care and love them. Look what they've done to me. Forgive them. They're so mixed up, so messed up, so far from truth. The fall has them so scattered and messed up. Man, if I be lifted up, I can draw them all to me. Thank you for the honor of letting me be here. Hey, I'm committing my spirit to you. Here I come. Whew. That's my Jesus. <laughs> Three days later, Holy Spirit comes in and raises him up from the dead. And there is no thing, no thing the devil can do to stop it. No thing. Light walks into the middle of darkness and darkness bows. He says, hey, we're out of here. He didn't have to. Michael, you're coming in the back door. Gabriel, you come in the south tunnel. You circle around. If we get apprehended, you come in from the wing. No. One spirit, holy, goes into the realm of the dead and raises Jesus to life. And there's no thing the devil can do to stop it. And it's not a fight. It's a submission and a surrender. And we fear the devil. And Jesus crushed him through the resurrection and the shedding of his blood. Are you guys okay? Sorry, I feel a little passionate about some of this stuff right now. It's ministering to me. It's sorry, I'm 
probably even preaching to myself some good stuff. It just filled me up. Sorry, I'm sitting with you right now. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to say, way to go, man. That's good preaching, dude. <laughs> Brother, you're bringing it. Come on, more. That's how I'm feeling. I don't want you robbed from this race. I don't want you believing lies in your head. I don't want you believing things that aren't producing life. People, your belief system is so valuable, so important, and so incredibly huge. Everything is vying for your believer, I promise you. Everything wants a piece of what you believe. Everything along the way is strategized to get you to believe something outside of truth so you can never truly live free. People have flashbacks, memories, dreams, impressions, and we minister to people trying to set them free, and all we're trying to do is make the impressions, the, 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 the flashbacks, and the dreams go away that aren't good and edifying. No, you got to talk people into not believing them. you got to teach people that they're all lies from hell, and if they violate your heart and conscience, then separate them from you. Stop believing you messed up because you had a bad demonic dream. You ought to sit up in the middle of the night after the dream and worship Jesus, that that's not you, and that you're free, and that you're forgiven, and that you're born again, and that Holy Spirit lives in you you yeah you don't drive to work and get a memory of the thing you did a year ago that you wish you didn't do and you get a memory and it seems like a video and it feels real again and all of a sudden you're half defiled and you're graying out and you're getting to work and now you're crying as if you're still guilty and now you're asking God to forgive you and you were clean a year ago you haven't even thought about it you don't even want it it's not even you and just because you remember it you're calling a friend and think you need prayer you think it's in you no it's out here trying to get in it's trying to get you to identify with yesterday so you never step into your present, never step into your things to come. So you just become Lot's wife, frozen between your deliverance and your destiny, instead of from your help, which comes. You're not Lot's wife, you're his bride. You've got to look up. I can show you in Scripture, you, Scripture doesn't even acknowledge your past. We minister to it all the time. Scripture tells you you don't even have it. Two places the Scripture says you have present and things to come, present and things to come. Both places, it's a whole list. Life, death, heaven, hell, angels, devils. It's, it's this whole list that you have authority over and that you've been given. The world, life, death, present, things to come. You hey, haven't been given your past. He bought it. It's his. He put it in the sea called forgetfulness. He separated you from it. He called you to die to it. He baptized you into death of Jesus, into the, the death of Jesus. You died to sin once and for all, Romans 6, so you could what? As the glory of the Father raised him from the dead, you raise to the newness of life, present, things to come. Past is back there. Paul said, there's one thing I do, one thing I do so I can apprehend, one thing I do so I can arrive to where I'm called. There's only one thing, not two, not a three-point sermon. Aren't you glad it's just one thing? It's one thing. It's just one thing. I forget what lies behind. How many people identify with yesterday? How many people say, well, you don't know what it was like when I was growing up. Well, you got to cut me a break. You don't know what my daddy did to me. You don't know what my uncle did. Do you know what Jesus did? Have you had faith to get along with Jesus and put on what he's been through so you can take off what you've been through? And become the real you. And don't let this strategy against you to rob your identity. All of a sudden you think you're violated. All of a sudden you just think you're abused. All of a sudden you just think you're touched wrong. All of a sudden the fear of that and the thing of that and the memory of that just tries to eat you up and emotionally. And we're trying to get people free from that instead of just telling them who they are. You say, well, you don't understand. I was touched wrong. Wonder if I was. See, that's wonder if I was. You can't tell, can you? You never will. Because this man wasn't touched wrong. This man you're looking at, he was touched right. You can't tell my daddy was an alcoholic, told me I'd never be nothing. You can't tell that I've never heard my dad in my life say I love you. 
You can't tell that when you look at me. You can't tell my mother was sick 40 years and died of sickness. You don't see that. You can't tell I changed her diapers. You don't see that. You don't, you don't see that my brother fell over dead on October 6th. You don't see that at all. Because you ain't supposed to. Because none of those things decide who I am. You can't see that my wife was in a coma on life support with brain damage. You can't see that my children ran wild. You can't see that my child did drugs and ran off the... You don't see none of that. Because none of that has anything to do with who Christ is in me. So how could I be mad at God when he gave me the answer, life, deliverance, called me out of darkness into light. See, if I don't have Jesus, I'm stuck in my story. If I don't have Jesus, I'm just hashing my horror story. We're just hashing out to see who's been through the most hell. We're just exchanging war stories. We're just looking at each other's scars. And then we decide who's been through the most hell and we don't have the confidence to even try to talk to them because we ain't been in their shoes and we can't relate. And who are we to try to help them because we don't know what they've been through. Oh, come on, be real with me. I'm getting straight with you. What's, it, what's the use of telling our horror stories over and over? What is the use of sitting there defending against the gospel by saying, you don't know what I've been through? What about what he's been through? What about what he's been through, the Lord, who deserved nothing and willingly gave everything, who never did one thing wrong and got beat beyond description? I was never beat beyond recognition. Jesus was beat beyond recognition. The Bible teaches when they were done beating Jesus, there's no way you could tell it was him. That's pretty beat. Not for doing a crime, for doing nothing but right. And he never said a word. That right there is enough to tell me to never complain for the rest of my life. Right there, never going to bellyache for the rest of my life. Jesus got beat and whipped and put on a cross. Shame. Don't think he wasn't hanging there naked. They stripped him naked and hung him in front of the community. Beat him beyond description. Don't you think they kept him covered? He's humiliated. He's on a cross. It's the most humbling, awful way you could die in that day. And they strip you naked and they hang you in front of everybody. As if you're cursed and forsaken and forgotten by God. And Jesus said, I'll take that position to get them out of theirs. And he didn't owe us that. Love said, I'll do it. Whew. That right there tells me I'll never complain. I'm going to complain because the car stuttered. And now I might have to get a repair. Because my check engine light came on and now I freak out and fall apart and don't shine light for the rest of the day. Because I woke up and have a little pain on the right side of my head and now I can't function. Not today, God, you know my schedule. Why now? Please, God, if you love me. And then the pain don't go away and you're saying, well, maybe you don't love me. Come on, I know how people are out there thinking. Oh God, six o'clock, I didn't sleep good. I had to pee twice. I'm really tired. I wish I didn't have to go to work. God, you're going to have to do some supernatural strength. Please, God, help. Oh no, and that's right. I got to work beside Billy today. Not Billy, God, please. What did I do, God? What did I do? And we call that prayer. Oh yeah, I prayed, brother. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy. Aren't you glad I'm leaving soon? I'm leaving soon. You don't have to put up with me much longer. But I trust God will bring my face to you in the middle of the night. You get thinking all messed up. I trust you'll just turn and I'll be right there. Ah! And just, oh, oh, God. <laughs> Make him go away. I give myself to you. <laughs> Please, God, do it just for somebody. Wouldn't it be awesome? Middle of the night, you just wake up and I'm right there. Ah! <laughs> that would be so funny. Please, God, just do it for somebody. Just one person. <laughs> you see why we're laughing? It's anesthesia. God's not trying to cut your heart out and hurt you. He doesn't, this isn't heavy. It's life-giving. It's trying to keep us from buying into lies when our hearts are sincere. Come on. You're here. You're here tonight. I'm not talking to a room of hypocrites. I'm talking to his kids. I mean, somebody might have made you come. Somebody might have drugged you, but you're here. Good. You're coming to church. <laughs> That's okay. Most of you are here because you want to be. And if you're here because you were made to be here, I just promise you everything I'm saying is still true for you. And if you actually weigh your life and look at how you're thinking and what you do, is life fun for people? I've never seen anybody could admit to me that they're blessed when they're angry, blessed when they're discouraged, blessed when they're frustrated, blessed when they're critical. And that could tell anybody they were really having the time of their life and enjoying their life when they were offended. And I never saw anybody bear fruit unto God in those places. And I never saw anybody shine a light in those places. And he's telling me, you're the light of the world. When I read my Bible, you're the best he's got. You're his go-to. You're the roster of heaven. You're the team of God right here in Arkansas. I'm telling you, you're the best he's got. And he's saying, you're the light of the world. So do you see why those thoughts come? Do you see why the flashback from a year ago comes? Because there's a war, a demon war against the kingdom of God to keep you from ever being established in the kingdom so that you actually shine. He could care less if you come to church. He cares if you shine. He could care less if we sang loud. He could care less if we let that time go on for two hours and said, boy, what a time in God. If you don't walk out of here and shine, what was that all about? If you don't walk in mercy, if you don't show love, if you don't make peace, if you don't receive the love of God, what was that all about? Then what have we accomplished? What's it matter if we go to church if we're not her? I preach it all the time. I'm not trying to rant. I'm just telling you, self-centered is the biggest lie on the planet. Self-centered is the biggest lie on the planet. And the devil's convinced. He's convinced that he can make you feel sorry for yourself. He can make you angry. And if he messes you long enough, he might even make you mad at God. Get you so discouraged that you actually think you have a right to give up, to quit, to not care. There's a war going on. And it's a demon war against the kingdom of God. And you get to stand and fight on behalf of the king. Paul says, endure hardship like a good soldier. Who's military in here? Who's military background? Anybody? Got to have somebody military. You get that language? Door hardship as a good soldier. That drilled into you? Boot camp. That's a magic, right? All of a sudden you get through basic training and now you got a uniform on and you have a pride in what you've given yourself to, what you work towards. There's like this something in you, right? Yeah? Is that true? You get that language? Endure hardship as a good soldier. Boot, boot camp? Endure hardship? <laughs> run a million miles with all that gear, dude. You don't even like to run, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and you're like, what? And you suck it up. And do it. And endure it. Right? To get to a goal. 
military. Don't be afraid to think like that. Paul's talking like that. He's nobody enlisted in the army of God. Military ever again entangles himself in the affairs of this life in order that he might fulfill the will of him who enlisted him. That's scripture in Timothy. That's intense. You say, oh, I ain't all into that, brother. I just won't go to church on Sunday. No, he's into that. He's into you not being entangled. He's into you not being deceived and mixed up. The easiest thing on the planet is to have a hard heart. You don't even have to try. Your whole life, your heart tried to get hard on you. You didn't even have to try. Be real with me. One of the easiest things to do is be frustrated. You don't even need much of a reason. You can just watch something on TV and the person's, the person's attitude irritates you. And you got to turn him off because you're mad. Now you're mad. You watch, I watch that dude too long. He just, man, he makes me mad. That guy makes me mad. All of a sudden, you, you sell cheap just because of a personality that you don't agree with. Wonder if God didn't like your personality. Wonder if you just rubbed him wrong. See, this stuff we've been didn't come from him. It's self-centered. It lords your preference over everything. Your preference becomes Lord. And all of a sudden, you just decide who you like, who you don't, who bugs you, who don't. You hang around the people you comply with, and you avoid the people like a plague that rub you wrong. We've said phrases like, well, I don't have to, I don't have to like them. I still love them, but I don't have to like them. That, that's from the devil. That doesn't even make sense. I don't have to like them, but I, I, I love them, but I just don't have to like them. Okay. That's really intimate and personal. Could you imagine Jesus saying to his bride, Well, I love them. I sure don't like them. Will y'all marry me? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just, where did we get this stuff? It just gives us permission to stay less than what he created us to be and what he paid for. And all of a sudden, we're okay doing church where we realize we ain't doing him. I promise you, I'm not being mean. The devil could care less that we're here. He's not even threatened by the fact that we're here. If I read the book of Job right, you know what he's thinking? He's thinking, they don't love God. They need God. And as soon as things don't go their way, they'll be mad, discouraged, ready to quit. And some of them will even be mad at God, and I'll prove it. They don't love God. They need him. They love themselves. He said, a man will do anything to save his own life. He says that to God in Job. Straight to God's face. He's so sure he's got us figured out because of generations of stumbling men. He told Job, he told God, Job ain't different than nobody else. Job ain't no different. God, what do you mean he's different and there are no man like Job? Are you kidding me, God? You hedged him in. You protected him. You made him fat in the land. This man has every blessing he could ever have. And you're telling me he's different? He's only like that because you blessed him. You take away his blessing, he'll curse you to your face like everybody else in this room. That's what he said in the book of Job. You know what? Unfortunately, he's right most of the time. You better make sure he ain't right where you're concerned. Because most of the time, he's right. You let a bit of a little trial, you let a, bit of that, let a couple of little things I said about me, and you can't tell I've been through that. 
You take two or three of them things and put them on your list, and all of a sudden we're discouraged. It's all we can think about. We got lifelong questions. Why did God let them die? Why didn't God heal my mama? Why did God let my brother fall over? Why didn't God, why did God let me have a daddy like that? Where was God? God failed me. Where was God? And that's what people do their whole life. And they let their story define God instead of the gospel and Jesus' life and the cross and sacrifice. And they get all muddied up and they let the devil win through deception. How's that for straight? Because I'm telling you what, I ain't never seen anybody hurt and mad and offended and angry at God go ahead and produce life and enjoy their life. Yeah? Then, then you get mad at people that are happy and it can't be real, can't be real. Sure, can't be nobody that happy, can't be real. You stay so miserable for so long that when somebody's happy, there's no way it can be real. It's got to be fake, it's phony, it's just putting on a jacket, it can't be real. Why? Because you ain't never been that happy, so you think it ain't been you, it can't be real. Just because you ain't been that happy don't mean somebody isn't. <laughs> what it means is they ain't believing the messed up stuff you're believing. Because <laughs> the gospel's good tidings of great joy. Your past is usually bummer. Your past isn't good tidings of great joy. Your past is usually bummer. The gospel's good tidings of great joy. It's joy unexpeakable, un 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 unexplainable, unexpressible, unspeakable. Joy unspeakable. The gospel. We say, brother, I want a spirit of joy. Pray an anointing of joy over me. How about just hearing the good news and understanding the gospel and who you are in Christ? That'll be a yay God moment. That'll be like, whoo, settle down. It's too late. Guys, I've been saved 27 years. I just turned 60 in December. I'm excited. Ain't nobody even able to talk me out of it. Life hasn't had the power to talk me out of it. My loved ones making a mistake. My kids making mistakes. Nobody's been able to talk me out of this thing. I'm brainwashed. My, wa my brain's washed. Come on, life happens for everybody. Peter said, don't think it's strange. Your brothers all over the world are going through the same things. Don't start feeling sorry for yourself and make it about you. Remember, the prerequisite is, is deny yourself. Jesus said, if you're coming to me, you got to deny yourself. It's a prerequisite. you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. If you don't deny yourself, you'll never carry your cross. You'll throw that thing down, every trial, every injustice. You'll demand fairness. You'll claim victim. You'll point out villain. Come on, guys. Why am I talking like this tonight? Why can't we just say something rosy and amen and bless God and feel warm in our heart? Because we got a race to run. And if we don't get this foundational stuff, we'll never run the race. We'll get tricked into doing church. We'll get tricked into doing church and we won't run a race. You're in a race. You're in a race. You did not. You did not. Stop. You did not. Stop. You did not pray a prayer to go to heaven. I'm sorry we preach that. Eternal life's real. We're going to live forever because we're one with the eternal one. The goal isn't praying a prayer to go to heaven. You're getting into a race. You're stepping into destiny, true identity. You're starting to live purpose. You're putting on Christ. You're not just getting your name in a book called life. You're getting God's spirit on the inside. And if you believe, if you believe, John 7, out of your belly flows rivers of living water. That's called God getting on people and flooding dry ground. But if you're believing wrong, there ain't no flood. There's just phone calls and prayer and ministry and help and please encourage me and I'm ready to quit. How can you deny yourself and have all those rights that can be violated? How can you actually deny yourself and have issues with others? 
we be so hurt towards each other and so mad at even people within the church and we've denied ourselves? I don't think so, friend. I think we've incorporated Jesus into our life in hopes of a smoother life instead of a new one. And we tend to listen to sermons. Tomorrow, tomorrow, sermon after sermon after sermon is going to be preached in churches that benefit the hearer. Just beneficial messages instead of transformation messages. And you're going to actually set people up to come back next week possibly discouraged because the thing you benefited them with didn't happen in their life. What am I doing wrong? Why isn't God? And where's my favor? And why did I cast my bread on the water? I haven't seen no loaf come back in the tide. Beneficial message after beneficial message. Promising people what they'll get from God instead of teaching them what they become. What you get from God won't transform the world. What you become is designed to. Being offended at your spouse, being hurt and broken by your children, being angry with your parents will never produce life in Christ. won't change the world. It'll just give you a justification to stay where you are and where you are is miserable. Come on, you do not need a reason to not be like Christ. You don't need a reason to stay where you're not producing life. Come on, that's just fair, guys. I'm crying out. It's like a family meeting. We're in a living room. We're just calling this thing. This is, I'm not preaching a sermon. I don't even preach. I don't even know how to preach a sermon. I don't even want to. I'm not here to preach a three-point sermon. I'm here to cry out from my heart and try to reach yours. I'm zero interested in preaching a sermon. I want to compel you to surrender your life to him and understand that you're in a race, that you have a purpose and a potential. Paul said, I haven't even arrived. Paul said, I haven't apprehended yet, but I'm heading there. I'm going after it. And the only way I'm going to get there is there's one thing I'm doing. I forget what lies behind, and I'm reaching. I'm reaching for what's in front of me in Christ. The man's getting beat, stoned, whipped with rods, whipped with whips. He's getting, he's, he's getting, he's getting hammered. Yeah? He's getting betrayed by Christians. He calls it brief moments of light affliction when I compare it to the eternal weight of his glory when he comes. <laughs> he says in Timothy, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. He didn't say for the sake of Christ. That would sound spiritual. He said, I endure all things for the sake of the people so they can see what it means to love not your own life unto death and that I'm actually living everything I'm writing about. And I refuse to be refused. And I refuse to let go. And I refuse to backslide and back out. Him and Silas are beat to the bone, man. Probably ripped open wide. Nailed, chained, I mean, against a bunch of slabs and rocks in a dingy, stinky, nasty place where there's no porta potties. They're peeing on themselves. They're pooping down the wall. Get real. It's not a prison with mattresses and sheets. Coffee breaks. It's a dingy, carved out cave in a wall that stinks like a Jiffy John. And they're in there chained. You know the risk we run today? If that was us, God, where have you been? What have you done? Why haven't you protected me, God? I thought I was supposed to come and preach the gospel. Why didn't you protect me? American Christianity right there. There's no such thing. 
Don't let this country, don't let this country decide who Christ is and what he's supposed to look like. Don't you get spoiled living here. Don't you take him for granted. The gospel has always been the same. It doesn't matter what country you're in. You love not your own life unto death. That takes the choice to quit out of your even your own hands. <laughs> They're chained to a wall. Place smells like a jiffy john. You can't talk me out of it. It's nasty, miserable place. They're, they're not, you're, not, you're not saying, guard, excuse me, guard. I have to go to the bathroom. So, he'll laugh at you. He'll ignore you. You're chained. You just go. You're just, you got no option. You just go. Now you're two days chained and you went three times. Down your legs. Come on, I'm being real. And what are they doing? Paul said, I endure all things so I can send a message to you with not just my sermons, but with my life. And follow me as I follow Christ, because I am what I am by the grace of God. Do you think Paul regrets any of those decisions today? Do you think if God would beam him back for 15 minutes and he could just preach for 15 minutes, he would freak us all out. We'd be on our faces crying and our hearts would be burning with fire. We think some people are too emotional, too intense, too expressional. We need it served up just like we prefer it. You let somebody come back from heaven and preach you for five minutes. Best thing you ever heard, it'll wipe you out, wreck you, throw you on your face. No thing you could do about it, burn your heart. Yeah. Right? Because we're just here by faith. We're just believing, man. That's why it's so incredible. That's why faith is so pleasing. You know why God makes it by faith? So, you, so, you, so he crushes living sensual, living by feelings, living by the flesh. Because man was, was made to live by the Spirit of God. Man was made to live by the Spirit. How do you know that? Because that's how the New Testament Christian lives. Jesus restored everything to the way it was. You live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. So Paul, Paul, he's living by the Spirit. Adam was created to live by the Spirit. When he got separated from God and lived by the flesh, he became carnal. He became sensual. He became feeling-driven and emotional-driven. So the just live by faith. Why? Because faith separates you from sensuality. Faith puts you in a world called truth, kingdom of God. This realm is... Yeah? The emotions? Chaos. Crazy. I love faith. I love that we believe by faith. I, it, the honor and integrity of living by faith in the face of everything you feel, everything that seems, everything you've been done wrong by, everybody that's saying things that aren't fitting, hurting you, trying to do, and you just refuse to wear it. You refuse to put it on side, not because you hardened your heart, and I don't care what people think. No, because you have a higher truth on the inside of you, and it's a forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do, and if they really knew you, they wouldn't be saying what they're saying. If they really knew you, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. I am not going to let where they're not decide where I am. I'm going to let who you are decide me I'm all in God I'm a believer yeah and the just shall live by and it's impossible to please God without man <laughs> I love it got some faith cheerleaders in the back lady voices y'all get up with your pom poms have S-A-I-T-H on your shirts 
faith. <laughs> faith, substance of things, evidence of things. Whoa, evidence of things not seen. How are you going to have that evidence if you haven't been with him? How are you going to have that evidence if you're not bearing witness with the Spirit of God and with the voice of God? How are you going to have that evidence if everything that's going through your head you're believing is true? Yeah? Man, the just shall live. Don't get mad at faith. Don't get mad at faith. It's a gift. It separates you from living sensual. It shows you a higher way to live. Things aren't what they seem. Things are what they are in Christ. The Bible says don't believe what you see. What you see is subject to change. The things unseen are eternal. Faith is the substance of things. You grew up here and if I were you, I wouldn't get my... See, you heard that right here. Well, brother, what you see is... Wow, you heard that here too? That language must be universal. Must be all over the world. Well, what you don't know... Huh, that language crept all the way into here? The Bible says what you don't know is destroying you. Men are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You grew up here and what you don't know won't hurt you. It's amazing how the language you grew up with hearing is the total opposite of the Bible. Don't get your hope up and the Bible says get your hope sky high. What you see is what you get, and the Bible says don't ever live by what you see and what it seems. Always live by the unseen because it's eternal. Isn't it amazing? The language we grew up with is the total opposite of the Word of God. I wonder where we got that language. I wonder if we were homeschooled in the wrong home. I wonder if we were born into a lie. I wonder if the way that seemeth right to a man has become our tutor. I wonder if human intellect and analytical mindsets have guided us. I wonder if the carnal nature has been our teacher. I wonder if we were born into Adam. And we all need born. And when you get born again, old things and behold. How many things? Wow, ain't that something? So see, you don't bring Jesus into your life. You don't ask him into your heart. You exchange this old, fallen, separated, flesh-driven life. You surrender that over to God, and He gives you His life empowered by His Spirit. And you're never again conformed to the world, but transformed by the of your mind. I found all this in the Bible. I'm close to preaching a sermon right now. <laughs> it's all in there. It's what he paid for. I just love Jesus for that. When you see his first love, you love him. You don't compel people. You don't make them feel guilty. People think you have to point the sin out in a man's life. The law does that. Every man knows that by instinct. The law shows a man his need for a savior. I got to show... People that once they're guilty, they have an answer. They have a higher destiny than failure. That God sees them greater than the sins they committed. There's purpose and value in your life, friend. You have greater destiny than failing and being forgiven. Failing and being forgiven. We've got to learn that from the gospel. We've got to understand that grace is going to make us new creations. 
old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's water baptism. You're a new creature in Christ. You die in the likeness of his death. And the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives unto God. Romans 6, 11, You there likewise reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ. You see? You got to put that on. Everything's trying to get your believer. The devil actually believes we don't love God, we need God. He exposes it in Job. Come on. He's saying, look, if everything's going their way and all their little prayers are getting answered, both hands are raised. If the rent's paid, they might even do a little hop and a rapture dance. <laughs> but if the rent ain't paid, what's going on? Why ain't God moving? What did I do wrong? Drawing attention to yourself, looking for somebody to come wrap around and say, what's wrong? Oh, it's God, I just need prayer. He just hasn't even paid my rent. And all of a sudden, life of a Christian looks like this. Highs and lows, highs and lows. How's it going, man? Well, pretty good right now, praise the Lord. Come on. Or, hey, how's it going? Well, it's been tough, man. I've been through it, and I've been this. And, but I mean, I'm okay. Bless God, praise God, shakaba. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Just keep me in prayer. Just keep me in prayer. I'm hanging in there, dude. You ask the average Christian how they're doing, they'll tell you their two biggest trials and say, pray for me. Which proves that we think how we're doing is how it's going. And we're always praying for things to change. And we're weighing ourselves by ourselves and we're never really found in Christ. I can show you in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. It says, don't you throw away your confidence. It has great reward. Watch, watch. For you have, verse 36, for you have need of endurance so that after the will of God is done. See, you didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. You prayed a prayer to step into the will of God. You entered a race. Woo! See, I've never been a runner. You are now running in God. You have need of endurance so that after the will of God is done, you can receive the reward, the promise. That means you'll never actually fulfill what he created you for without enduring. So where do we get the idea that everything's supposed to go the way we hope? How come most of our prayer life is our list of things we hope and need God to do for us? Why is rarely our communion time the priority, just God receiving his love, empower me. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Man, let me look through your eyes today. I want to live from your heart. I thank you when I see humanity today. I see what you've always seen, God. I thank you that you're making me so one with you. And life in the spirit is amazing. God, you've made me clean, holy, blameless, and above reproach in your sight. I am enjoying life in you. Thanks for loving me. This is amazing. And you've never felt better about yourself in your life. And it's not vanity. It's not pride. It's him. And you look in the mirror and you love what you're becoming. And all of a sudden you actually see yourself in Christ in a holy way. All of a sudden the value of your life has raised by grace and by truth. It's not vanity. It's not vanity. All of a sudden you can step into the greatest two commandments. You can love God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And you can love your neighbor. See, that's a tough one because a lot of people don't even like themselves. A lot of people are self-conscious. A lot of people are stuck on, why'd God give me this nose? Why are my ears shaped like this? Why don't I have different hair? 
Oh, very true. Very true. And they spend their whole life comparing themselves among themselves and wondering why they got this deck, why they got this hand. Why didn't I get four aces? <laughs> I'm just saying. And all of a sudden, things that don't matter at all begin to matter more than what matters most. Ain't that something? Don't you get tricked into that stuff. Come on, this little family meeting. I'm just cheering you on. I'm just telling you who you are. Come on, I'm not mad. You can see I'm not mad. I'm not being cynical. I'm, not, I'm, I'm happy. I'm smiling. I feel love for you guys. Yeah? You stay happy. Yeah, good. Some of you are smiling back at me. I'm feeling. Yeah, phew. Right now, somebody could just say, I love you, Dan. You know, it was, no, I'm just teasing you. I'm going to wrap something up with this. And we're going to pray about a couple of things. I might be gentle with you tonight. I took you so late last night. Remember I said I was hearing voices in my head? I was three months old in the Lord. It hardly sounds fair. It's amazing how God didn't stop those voices. And even when I talked to him about it, he wasn't one bit interested in making them go away. We think deliverance is them things going away. True deliverance is me never believing what they're suggesting. I'm three months old in the Lord. I got rampant curse phrases. Things when I, was, when I wasn't saved, I worked in a warehouse. I said four or five curse words to say three English words. We all thought that was cool. That's just how we talked. But these were more intense than anything that ever came out of my mouth. They were directed to the Lord. I was three months saved and I love God with everything, man. I was, I was reading my Bible like a madman. I was reading, in that season, I was reading no less than five times a day and talking to the Lord nonstop. I would wake up just praying and praying and I would pray all the time till I went to work. I wouldn't even come out of my bedroom most of the time. I would turn my clocks to the wall so I wasn't distracted by time. I was just in a season where I could do it. I'd read in the morning. I'd read at break, lunch, break, and at night before bed. Like five times a day, I'm just consuming the Word of God. And three months into this, I'm just growing leaps and bounds. I saw a man healed at work that needed a fusion in his back and God just put a disc in him and I didn't even know what I was doing. I just knew that the Bible said I could pray for him. I probably looked funny praying and I probably wasn't too impressive, but I realized since then that I'm not the one that puts the disc in there. I'm just the one that represents truth. And if I'm like a little child, I'll see the kingdom. Because I said when he was leaving for his surgery because it was emergency because they were said you're, you're, you're bone on bone and if you're in a car and they slam on the brakes you could actually get paralyzed your bones could shift there's nothing there stopping your bones from sliding moving and that's why he was in excruciating they said the disc was gone at all them pictures he's heading out he looks distressed I tracked him down what's going on you look distressed he said man I got a real situation in my back I've been off you know I've been on disability yeah well they're telling me this and this and this. They took these extensive pictures and they want to do some emergency fusion. So here I am heading. Now I'm going to get my spine fused. I said, no way. I said, man, has anybody prayed for you? He's so innocent. He says, well, I guess my mom prays for me. I said, no, no. Prayed for you. Like for your back. He said, you mean here now? Like prayed for me? I said, yeah. No. I said, can I? He said, here. I said, yeah. 
I didn't even know what to do. I'm like, I think I quoted two scriptures, Phil. I was like, Lord, you said anything I ask, believe in, you'll do it. And if I lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Thank you for healing his back. And he looked at me like, that's it? And I looked at him like, that's all I got. I'm three months old. I mean, that's all I got, guys. You know, three months old. I'm three months old. That's what we think. But that's all I had. He walks off just like he was before. And I'm like, man, it just felt good to pray. And I just had him on my heart, and I went to work. It's not a joke. This man shows back up at work before our shift ended and tracks me down. And they said, after a long time of waiting, he asked the doctor, is there a problem? He said, well, I wouldn't say a problem. We're just trying to make sense of things. He said, well, what's going on? He said, we have 10, 12, whatever, 13 pictures or whatever they had. A ton of pictures of your back. And all your new pictures, you're perfectly normal. And your disc is completely there. He gets up off the chair and he has no pain. When we prayed, he walked out of there, he couldn't walk. Somewhere in between. You say, brother, I, I don't even believe that. You expect me to believe that? But no, I, there's a lot of unbelief in the body of Christ. But I wish you wouldn't choose it. The Bible stories alone should tell you these things happen. That man went on to love Jesus, be an elder in his brother's church. And I haven't seen him for a long time. But when I see him, he's just a good guy to be around. He's the kind of guy, when it happened, if you were in a grocery store line, he would tap you. Hey, you know God's good, right? Do you know him? He's amazing. Let me tell you a story. He'd tell him about his back. The last time I saw him, he told me he's never had a problem in his back. He's never had a surgery. He's been fine ever since. I was three months saved. I had that going on. I had a lot of stuff going on. I was having the time of my life. And right in the middle of that, all these curse words run into my head. And I couldn't stop it, guys. There was no way I could turn it off. I've had people say, well, you should have come to us. We could have delivered you. I didn't need deliverance. It was outside. It wasn't inside. It was outside. It wasn't inside. We think everything we think is in us. Everything we remember. I thought I was free. You're free as long as you believe you are. I can show you in Colossians 1, you have been delivered from the power of darkness. As soon as you believe you're not, you won't believe you are. Now you even get manifestations. Next thing you know, you might open the door for something to actually crawl in. I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm telling you the truth. Stuff wants to trick you. I sat on my bed and I cried. And I said, Lord, I don't feel this way about you, Holy Spirit. I don't want to think these things. I don't feel this way about you. I heard him in my heart real clear. He said, I know you don't. That felt good. Whew. Whew. <laughs> he probably knows my heart. He said, I know you don't. And I said, oh, that's so good. And I cried because I was already crying because I was feeling bad. Who knows when you think that stuff, it, it, it's, not, it's not pretty. It's yucky. So I said, well, well, what am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do? He said, every time you hear those voices, tell me how you feel about me 
from your heart. And I went, because oh, I got it. You know what we're, we're doing? We're getting prayer for the voices to go away. And as soon as the prayer ends, the voice is there. Because we're believing until the voice goes away, I'm not free. No, you're not free till you stop believing the voice. And when you let the voice override your heart and you believe it has something to do with you when your heart's violated at the voice, you're being way deceived. So you know what I did? <laughs> Every time that voice came, and it came a lot, thank you, Jesus. It just invoked relationship. Every time the voice came, Holy Spirit, I love you. Holy Spirit, I so appreciate you. I thank you, you're my best friend. I thank you for who you are in my life. I so appreciate your love for me. You are absolutely my best friend. Man, the way you're growing my heart, showing me scripture. I started talking to the Holy Spirit. It was like it just overrode that voice. And I don't know why it just kept coming. Silly thing. Just kept coming. Holy Spirit, you are so amazing. What's in the heart of the Father today? Is there anything you want to show me about my coworkers? Man, what's the scripture mean? Will you help me with this? Because I know you, you wrote it through men. You know what God's saying. Would you share it with me? I just had that with him all the time. My coworker said, you freak us out. Every time we see you, you're talking to yourself. I said, I'm never talking to myself. I have never talked to myself. They said, you talk to yourself all the time. I said, I have never talked to myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm going down the aisle. I'm talking and they're like, I, this guy, this is a true story. His carpal tunnel. He don't want to get surgery. He's having a hard time working. He's carpal tunnel. I've asked to pray for him. He, he's like, I got leprosy. He, won't, he thinks I have COVID before COVID ever was. He's like, stay away from me. Social distance. And I'd wear a, a, a t-shirt that said, Jesus, I might as well have had COVID. This is social distance guarantee. I'm going down the aisle. I'm talking. I'm talking. You can hear me. I'm talking. Why? I wouldn't drive in a car with you and we wouldn't talk. You're with me. We're talking. Even if you're quiet, I'm talking. We ain't jumping in a car driving 25 miles and being silent. Why do we do it with Jesus all the time? Why do we play songs about him, sermons about him, and never even talk to him? Why do we think listening to a song about him is Christianity? Why do we think listening to a sermon about him is Christianity? Never interact with him. Never engage in the sermon. Never say, thank you for seeing me that way. Wow, I'm putting that on, Lord. That's incredible how you love me. You're amazing. Flip off the music. Man, you know what, God? Right now you're filling my heart with a song. Ah, ah, ah. Wouldn't that be awesome? If somebody would actually just talk to him? I'm going down the aisle. I'm talking. He's right there. They ain't seeing him. They're thinking, this man is cuckoo, man. He's done lost his mind. But they know better. Because they see I ain't a butterfly floating. I ain't weird. I ain't going from flower to flower. They see I'm working. I'm producing. I'm clear. I got joy. They're envying what I have because they don't even know it. They don't have it. They feel uncomfortable because my life is different. They're persecuting what they don't understand. And you can't persecute experience. I'm having the time of my life at work. I'm going down the aisle and I'm fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm taking a case and I turn and I lift it and I look and there's a face looking at me through the rack. And I caught him. I caught him. He's watching me. Talk to myself. Wrong. I laid down a box and I said, hey man. You caught me. I start walking right at him and he's frozen. It's like God frozen. This guy that runs from him won't let me pray for him. 
It's a true story. This is exactly, I'm not embellishing this at all. I know it sounds funny. It's exactly how it happened. I turned. I laid on my box. I said, hey, buddy. You caught me. And I ain't talking to myself. I'm talking to him because he's in me. He's with me. And he loves me. And I'm telling you, he loves you. And as I got right up to the rack, I just reached through and I said, come on, man. He loves you. Give me your hands. He loves you. Give me your hands. The guy's like, he's like a prisoner. He's like. I'm not joking. He's just like a prisoner. He's like, cuff me, do it, take me. It's a true story. I grab his hands. Father, I thank you for your unstoppable love for him, and I just thank you, God. Man never had a symptom of carpal tunnel. Never. Never. Up until I was out of touch, but the rest of my time there that I know of. Ain't that something? Think I'm talking to myself. So these things are coming. A month in, two months, a month, two months. Come on, brother. If what the Holy Spirit said was God, that would have worked before. See, we're not trying to get anything to work. See, we're still thinking until the voice goes away, I'm not free. Until you stop believing the voice, you're not free. I promise you that's true. Watch this. Let him keep yakking if he wants. He's a cut off withering branch. I'm not giving him attention. And everything he's saying is turning me to where my heart lives. So the voice is actually inspiring relationship. Not a phone call for you to pray for me. Wearing the identity of the voices. I don't know when, but I'm going to say around six month period. I don't know exactly when it stopped because one day I just realized I wasn't hearing those voices and couldn't remember hearing them for quite a while. And it was in around a six month range. Did they stop at five months? I'm not sure. I just know I didn't think about them. They weren't my focus. I had grown this way. So here's what I realized. This is, watch this, this is fun. So now I'm nine months, because I was three months saved. In the six month period, I'm nine months saved. I'm nine months saved, watch this. I had seen so many healings. I had went to a ministry school that was teaching on the nine gifts of the spirit. When he taught on them, I didn't even know that that, that was a sermon. I had read it, I had read the nine gifts, I had read, I had read my Bible so much in nine months, but I didn't know how to preach it, I didn't know to say this and this, and working miracles, gift of faith, I didn't know how to discern the spirit. I didn't, when he taught and broke down the nine gifts, I sit in there weeping, realizing, oh, that's what it's called in the Bible. Oh, that, I had experienced every nine gifts in my first nine months. I had an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit that I realized I would have never had at the level I had it if it wasn't for the voices. <laughs> and we think we have a problem. And I'm telling you, we have an answer. Watch. I was nine months saved getting invited to preach in churches. I ministered in Christian businessmen meetings and I wasn't a year old. And they called me reverend and pastor. And would you pray for me? And I'm not even a year old. Well, you haven't even been educated. Oh, yes, I have. I've had much instruction. And I didn't let the thing that bothered my heart become my heart. And I let my heart go past it to him. And I submitted to God, therefore resisted the devil. It's not two steps, it's one. 
So I didn't get tired. I didn't get exasperated. I didn't say, why isn't this working? Can somebody help me? Who's anointed enough to make these voices go away? Oh, that's so good. Here's what happens in your life. You're driving along and you're doing good in God. You know this happened. Who's had things random, strange, hard to even explain, just come into your head that you don't want there? Anybody? Who's had flashbacks and memories out of the blue when you thought it was over and all of a sudden it's like it's yesterday? I never was bound by pornography as a young man. It wasn't like you guys, you young kids, man. Stay off of that stuff. Don't even open a door. That stuff will try to grab you, choke you, snare you, rob you. A man bound in that just doesn't know fully who he is, so he doesn't see everything clear. So he's feeding something that's supposed to be dead. It's not a spirit. It's usually a deception. Wrong identity. But I, I got messed up. Read a magazine when I was 11. It was around at work, magazines. It just wasn't, we didn't have the phones. We didn't have access. Like you had to have a video. You had to, but I had been in a situation where I viewed a video. I, I can't even tell you I ever watched any more than that in a video form. It was just one time, I think. It was just a video. But it was a video. And it was graphic and it was explicit. It was a grip video. So here I am. That's years ago. Here I am. I'm teaching in a ministry school. I'm the speaker. I got a microphone. The worship is amazing, and it's at that point. You know what I'm saying? I'm being funny, but it's at that point where you know you're getting up there any minute. And right when that point's coming, it got holy in the room. We lost everybody. People, when guitar men, who's the guitar man? When guitar men lay down their guitar and get before, it's God moving. Because you love that guitar, dude. Dude. You love it. And when you lay that thing down, that's a good sign. When the guitar man lays down his guitar and he's down on the ground, God's here. <laughs> All of a sudden, you don't hear no drums. You can't even see the drummer. He's going. You got one little girl. She's down. She's reaching. And she goes, tink, oh, tink, oh, it just goes through you. She starts playing the high keys. It sounds like rain. Everybody's gone. It was hush. Don't say a word. To moan would have been out of order. It was so overwhelming. In the middle of that, why? Because of that. Coming at opportune time, trying to get me heady, analytical. Now, how can the devil do that in the midst of the presence God just comes to? I don't know. How is he there among the sons of God in the book of Job? All I know is in the middle of that, I'm going to preach in a minute. This video runs through my head like I'm watching it yesterday. Do you think I want to see that? Do you think I'm conjuring that? Do you think I'm premed? I didn't even, I didn't even remember I watched the thing. I'm a new creature. The Spirit of God is in me. Mm. And I got a stupid video going through my head that I watched way before Christ. Right in the heat and the moment of the reality and holiness of God. And we say, well, that can't enter the present. It was in my mind. No, that's probably in you. You got stuff hidden in your heart. Stop it. That's why the devil will defeat you in a minute. 
Because you believe that stuff. And that's why people that believe that stuff are ministering and chasing after that stuff and getting their own ministry done to themselves because they believe wrong. So they never actually believe they can be free. Sorry, I said that. Kinda. I got this thing going through me. It ain't, the t it, it ain't time to speak. You don't even want to interrupt. This is too holy. But you just messed with me. You just poked me. I'm a city kid. You just punched me in the mouth. You think I ain't punching back? I don't care if you can whoop me. I'm a city kid. You're going to punch back. You ain't going to become a laughing stock. You ain't going to be. You're packing order, man. You're, you're city boy. You punching back. You don't care if you get beat up. You fight. That thing punched me in the mouth. You know what I did, Pastor? It's so holy in that room. You know what I did? I freaked everybody out. That video went through my head. Now you're picking war. Every war zone's red now. I'm military, buddy. I'm military. I'm enlisted. I'm a soldier. I ain't entangled in the affairs of life. You know what I did? As soon as it came through my mind, I was like, what? Father, I thank you. Loud. It's war. Father, I thank you that you've delivered me, you've cleansed me, you've washed me of everything I've ever done. You have purified my life and you put a new heart and a new mind in me. And I went ballistic for a long time. And people were laying everywhere and they, they jump and they're like, what's pastor doing? This ain't the atmosphere right now. I guess he's on to something. And over here, Father, I just thank you. And over here, and Lord, I just... And all of a sudden, the whole room went... Because they just thought they were supposed to do what I was doing. But I was in warfare. I was fighting the good fight of faith. The devil was roaming like a lion, seeking to couldn't devour. He's coming in an opportune time in the midst of the holy presence of God to get me to second-guess my life, my heart, forgiveness. Get me to crawl to the altar and repent for something that's not in me. Get me to get insecure and back off and lay down my gifting, lay down my anointing, put down the microphone and ask people to pray for me and cry. Wrong. Watch this. Watch this. People started. I was laughing in my heart. I thought they don't even know what's going on. Now they're like, hey, we're following pastor. And they're all like, yeah, I think the guitar man picked up his guitar. <laughs> he loved me for it too. Yeah, I got my guitar back. <laughs> I'm just having fun. <laughs> I stood up, I walked over, I said, listen guys, and I don't even think I went into detail about what happened. I might have, I don't remember that. But man, I was pumped, you know what I mean? Why? Because I just went in a tangent like when I'm in my bedroom. I just put on Christ. I just declared every good thing I have in him, book of Jude. I got up there, watch this. I said, man, I'm telling you, I'm going to teach you school today. And God's in this place. Wasn't this a holy night? Wasn't this amazing? Thanks for joining in, confessing. I'm all fired up. And I'm turning my Bible because I was going to teach something specific in the school because it's a school. And I said, listen to me. I said, ma'am, she was like three rows where that empty seat is there. She was like three rows back. I said, ma'am. 
On the right side of your ankle, you have a nodule. You haven't had a growth. It's pressing on something. It's causing pain. You're concerned about it. If you'll check your ankle, you'll see it's gone. She starts screaming and crying. I said, sir, about the middle vertebrae in the middle of your body is burning right now with fire because it's been herniated and God's making it whole. Get up and check it and test it. He's bawling. Bam, bam. Watch. I don't even think any of that would have happened if I didn't see the video. And we think we have a problem. And we have an amazing answer. Here's why your mind gets assaulted. Because you're growing in Christ. You're doing good. You believe you're forgiven. And out of the blue, this wacky stuff just comes into your head. You said you've had it happen, right? A flashback, a memory, just something stupid. Something that ain't even, it's off the charts, right? And you're almost like, what? But it tries to affect you like you're thinking it, like shame on you, like, well, why is that in your mind? You got pastors saying, if your mind was up on this screen, I wonder if you'd be ashamed. Well, that's terrible teaching because not everything in your mind is coming from your heart. So now you're condemning the people to live from their mind. So the devil says, hey, that's great preaching, pastor. Way to go, man. You just set the table to condemn your church. So here's what he does. He calls his little imps around. He says, see Johnny over there? He thinks he's going strong. He thinks he's some hot shot in the Holy Ghost now. Like he's forgiven, cleansed, righteous. <laughs> We've seen that before, haven't we? <laughs> Listen, just go tell him. Oh, boss, you're amazing. I'll go get him. <laughs> little imp comes over. Johnny's driving. Oh, so Johnny, so you're forgiven and free, huh? So you think it's just that simple? I mean, remember? And what about? And oh. Familiar spirits, lying, blast from the past, recollection. Johnny has two choices. He's driving. He can go. Don't do that, Johnny. But here's what Johnny could do. Father, I thank you. You love me. Totally ignore the devil. Don't give him a mic. See, I'm still manifesting. They gave me a mic. I'm still manifesting. Don't give him a mic. Johnny could say, Father, I thank you for the day you washed me and cleansed me and put new life in me. Father, I thank you I'm free from everything I've ever done. And I'm standing in Christ Jesus. And I love you for it. I love what my life's become. I thank you for the new heart you put in me. I thank you for the vindication. And if this thing won't go away, look, is the devil a liar? Is there any truth in him? So why do people say, well, the devil keeps lying to me? Okay. <laughs> so he's a liar, and there's no truth in him. So if he's saying you're never going to make it, it must mean you're going to make it. If he's saying you're not worthy, it must mean you are worthy. If he's saying you're not forgiven, you have to be forgiven. He's a liar from the beginning. There's no truth in him. So whatever he's saying, flip it 180 and you got your answer. You don't need prayer. But see, see, here the devil's so used to this working. Because we internalize it. We live by the senses. We live, if we're thinking it, we're being it. If we remember it, it's still in me. And the whole time it's out here trying to get in. So he says that to Johnny. And Johnny goes, Father, I just thank you. And the little imp goes, huh? 
He says, God, I worship. Now the presence of God's manifesting. Johnny's on a roll. Spirit runs back. This little lamb is going, woo! He runs back to the devil. Satan says, did you tell Johnny? Did you tell him what I told you? Boss, boss, I told him. Promise, boss, I promise I told him everything you said, word for word. I told him, oh, so you're free now. And you remember? I'm like, all right, that's what you told me, boss. I told him everything. Yeah? And what did he do? Boss, you ain't going to believe it. Boss, he lifted his heart, and he started to talk to God. And then God came in the car, and I had to leave. You fool! You couldn't have said that to Johnny. When you talk like that to Christians, they get grayed out, depressed, and they call for prayer. Not this Christian boss. Boss, he's different. Boss, I actually think he's... Boss, I think he's a believer. <laughs> wow! <laughs> And you think you had a problem. <laughs> I bet you got an answer. I bet Satan leaves and looks for a more opportune time. I bet he tried with Jesus, tried with Jesus, could by no means reach him. He just, the word says it is written. Right? See, if you're seeking first the kingdom and you're not living for yourself, you won't fall prey to these things. If you're thinking for the kingdom, I promise you, you won't fall prey to these things. If you're thinking for yourself, this stuff has a chance to get into you. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to get alone in prayer and continue to yield yourself and say, Look, uh, this isn't works. I'm just saying, Lord, I want to live you. I want to live your will. I want to walk out your way. I've said this to the Holy Spirit so much, and he intervenes, and he protects me, and he helps me like a father and like a friend. I'll say, if I get one bit off the track of God, if I'm going to miss it even by a moment, an inch, a millimoment, God... I'm asking you, I know you love me. Kick me in the butt if you have to, but don't let me miss that straight and narrow way. And you, you would be amazed how many times people say, well, it's amazing. How does God intervene like that? And other people just run off. I don't know if we're yielding and asking him to guide us, direct us, protect us, correct us. Tell me whatever you need to tell me because I know you love me. Say it to me straight. Give me a chance to respond and obey. But God, I don't want to miss you. I have a greater confidence in you to keep me than a fear of me missing it because I know you love me. I'm going to run hard. You keep me on course. I've prayed that way when you weren't looking a lot. You see what's wrong with me? I'm 60, 27 years in. I'm still running hard. Yeah? And there's a few times I... And he... Oh, yeah. He talked to me straight and strong a couple times. I heard intensity in his heart, in my heart. And I was like, whoa, didn't hurt me because I know he loves me. <laughs> Y'all good? Wow, got laid quick. God, you're good. Man, I don't know how I got here. I don't even know why I opened my Bible. <laughs> Wasn't planning on preaching a sermon. <laughs> Man, it's all good. Wow. Wow. 
By this we know love. 1 John 3, 16. 3, 16. Not John. 1 John 3, 16. John 3, 16. For God so. 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. Because we see that. Let's just reciprocate and lay down ours for him. Because we see his first love. We love him. It's not duty. That's not obligation. That's not, hey, he died for you. You ought to die for him. It's, it's, don't hear it that way. It's like, this is love, guys. He laid down his life. So watch this. How many people go through a hard time and say, man, I thought God loved me. Where's God? Where's God's love in this? Here's God's love that he laid down his life. The measuring stick of God's love is not your circumstances ever, ever. Thanks for amplifying that because it's ever. No, that's perfect. That was an exclamation point. You said it like I meant it. (laughs) You don't ever let your circumstances decide and define God's love. God's love is already to be settled. How can you be rooted and grounded in love if circumstances have the right to challenge it? How can faith ever work through love if you find love through your circumstances? You found love through Christ crucified. Just amazing. <laughs> In this, the verse 10, watch it. I'm just reading, man. There's this whole thing is so good. I don't even know how I got here. I just thought, man, it's open. I ought to find something. In this, the children of God and the, ch- or the, uh, uh, the children of God and the children of devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Righteousness is right standing with God. The work of righteousness is any expression of who God is, the nature of God. Whoever does not manifest the nature of God, it's what he's saying, is manifesting something else. Isn't that something? This is scripture. It's not condemning. It's sobering. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. In other words, that's not of God to not practice righteousness. It's deception. Do you know how people will fuss in the church about expression? I mean, some of, some of the folks that are a little older than me, drums started coming into the church. My goodness, electric guitar showed up. I mean, the devil has moved into the church. <laughs> and who are we? I mean, there's churches that don't shout. Don't yell, holy hush, silent, button your top button. Pastor, come on, where's your tie? Just crazy stuff out there, right? And, 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 and it's like you couldn't even express. It was almost like in a lot of circles, Christianity was being suppressed from expression because it's emotionalism. And, but think nothing of telling somebody off. Think nothing of flailing your arms and cursing somebody out. Let somebody pull out in front of the road, man. You're doing hand gestures. You're shouting and screaming and manifesting. So I'm sitting on my bed one day and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, every expression of anger, every manifested expression of anger is a charismatic worship service of the wrong God. Small g. He said, this whole life is a war about nature and multiplication and expression. I made man in my image to multiply the truth of who I am. Satan has tried to pervert that and his destiny and his goal is to reproduce himself after his own kind. And you know them by their fruits. That's what this is saying. Ain't that something? So why do you have a body? You don't have a body to complain about it. 
You have a body to act out what's on the inside. Your body is your manifestation of who you are inside. God doesn't even have a body. God's a spirit. Jesus had to be given a body to fulfill redemption. God's a spirit. So God made us in his image. It doesn't mean a head and arms and legs. He doesn't have a head and arms and legs. He could if he wants to. But he's a spirit. But he gave us a body. Why? To act out what's on the inside. And you know them by their... And all of a sudden we get weird and can't express our love for God. All of a sudden we can't shout. All of a sudden we're being emotionless. But boy, we can sure go on a rant. We can tell off our neighbor if he parked in our spot. We can scream at somebody if they do something wrong. Somebody push you too far and all of a sudden you tell off your boss and give him a piece of your mind and you don't care if you're fired, but don't you shout to God in church. See how weird it gets? The Lord told me it's total deception. It's charismatic worship service. Every time men rant and vent and rage. Ain't that something? (laughs) People that don't like charismatic are charismatic in another arena sometimes. Ain't that something? (laughs) They could become charismatic against charismatic. You got that, didn't you? I thought it was funny, too. I just didn't want to laugh at my own thing like that. But, man, that was good. Oh, my goodness. Whoever doesn't practice righteousness isn't of God, nor is he who doesn't love his brother. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. Wow, that we should love one another. Amen? Amen. That's what we're going to do, guys. In fact, I want you to do something, and I'll close, and we're going to just pray a couple things. We'll see how we need to end this. Can I read this to you and try not to preach? Somebody that has faith, pray for me. I know I've shattered most of your faith on this. I'm going to read and try not to preach. Somebody that actually can believe that we can do this, believe God for me right now because I'm not so sure. Because I love this chapter. I always think it's my favorite. I tease people and tell them I know it's in my top hundred. But it's really good. So I'm going to read it. Will you, if you want to, you don't have to, but you don't have to close your eyes. If that just helps you to not be distracted. But just don't be distracted. We're closing. I don't want you to miss this. So whatever it means for you to not be distracted, you can keep your eyes open and just stare and listen. You can close your eyes and listen, but just don't be distracted right now. That wouldn't be cool. And don't listen to this for your spouse. <laughs> listen to this for you. Because if you're listening for your spouse, it's for you. Like if they're in their gum wrapper when I'm reading this, don't think it's a spirit of distraction on them and try to pray in tongues and miss what I'm reading. Aren't we good at listening to, our, to sermons for our spouses? I hope they're listening. They're glancing, trying to see their facial expression. I know that man's talking to them right now. They better be listening. Satan, I bind you. I rebuke you off my spouse. And the whole time, the whole time, God's trying to speak to you. And you're listening for them. 
I'm preaching this stuff and I'll say, if you just elbowed your spouse, I promise I was talking to you. And you ought to see how people react in a congregation, especially if it's a big service and there's a lot of couples. Because you just hear that stuff. You say, if, I say, if you just elbowed your spouse right now, I promise I was talking to you and you'll see four different couples giggle and laugh and jab each other back. And I'll go, oh, that was you guys. Who started it? Who elbowed first? See you. I'm going to read this. Don't be distracted. We'll close. This will be our prayer. Since you were all raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not the things of the earth, for you died, and your life, it's hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you shall appear with him in glory. Therefore, because this is true, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness. It's all idolatry. And because of these things, the wrath of God is coming to the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in those things. But now you yourselves are to put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man and his deeds, and you have put on the new man, he is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. There's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, or slave, or free. But Christ is all and in all. And therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also forgive. But above all these things, put on love, it's the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and even spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to him and the Father through him. Does that sound like we prayed a prayer to go to heaven? Or does that sound like heaven came into us? You would not have a whole chapter of instruction if we're waiting for a bell to ring to go to a destination. That's one chapter. There are so many chapters. The whole chapter is instruction on what a Christian's life looks like. I promise you, we did not pray a prayer just to go to heaven. We got re-enlisted in an army that we were always created to march in. And you need endurance, and don't throw away your confidence, and don't grow weary in well-doing, and don't take life personal because you took him personal, and you denied yourself, and you picked up your cross, and you're following him. All I'm preaching is Christianity. Christianity is not church attendance. Christianity is little Christ-like ones.
I'm encouraging you in this. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't be deceived. Every man reaps what he sows. If you sow into the flesh of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. Not of the will of God, not of the choice of God. Of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. But if you sow into the Spirit of the Spirit, you'll reap life. Are you with me? Come on, we can live this thing. We can walk this out. We can fill our hearts with the Word and not be deceived. We can be our own best accountability partners. We can guard our own consciences and guard our own hearts with all diligence. Because out of our hearts flows the issues of life. Guard your believer. And make sure that when you stand before God on that day, you're guilty of one thing. You believed Him. And your life proved it. Because if you're guilty of being a believer when you stand before Him, every other chip will be in place. Yay. So it ain't how many mission trips you went on. It ain't how much money you sowed into a mission. Did you believe him with your life? Did you walk in love? Did you show mercy? Did you make peace? Blessed are the peacemakers. For they are the sons of God. Not the issue driven. Not the chip on the shoulder. Peacemaker. Y'all good? Father, I pray for grace tonight. I pray for grace that every one of us can walk this out. That no one would believe they're disqualified. That that little time we had in the beginning of worship would be where everybody stays and lives. Seeking you. Touching you. Heart to heart. That God, nobody would believe they're disqualified. That everyone would continue to run and run well. That we wouldn't be pressured by the thought of failing, but we be inspired by the thought of becoming. Don't let anyone fear stepping out and running this race. Don't let the fear of failure hinder anyone. Let every man see his heart clear. Don't let a man be judged by every thought that comes through his mind. And I ask that you use this night to protect people so they run well. Take us to the finish line, King Jesus. And let there be so much fruit. And let it remain. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And amen. Yay.